The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Thank you to everyone joining us today. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya. We're recording this week on a Thursday afternoon and so far it's been one of those crazy crazy weeks goodness yes Um, not necessarily in the metals market it was kind of uh, flattish in the market but man we need to get into this ftx thing for sure um it's it's definitely a developing story and it's interesting to see what uh what's going on and the information that's been coming out so far one being the conversation between bix weir and um cliff high and cliff high this week they had a great conversation where they really dug deep onto that but it's also interesting to see kind of high level what people are saying about ftx and admittedly we don't know everything about this story i didn't even know what ftx was uh last week i mentioned on the show i I didn't even follow it uh but there's there's a lot of connections being made so we're going to get into that Obviously, we're also going to talk about what's happening in the silver market, the things happening beneath the surface, beneath the prices, um, because you can only get so much information if you're just following the price and the dot on the screen. That doesn't give you the full story. But to start, Jerry, let's talk about what's happening in the economy. Is everything great? Because I've seen all of these headlines of mass firings across all of these tech companies uh, Amazon was firing a bunch of people this week right before Christmas. I imagine they're still hiring their part-time workers to help with, with packing things. But, but people who work there, are, uh, in, in obviously the corporate side of things, have been, are about to be let go. What do you make of all of this? And how do you make of all of this with, with the fact that every month we get these stats that unemployment looks great? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, we're sifting through the data as it comes and everything looks very doom and gloom. Um, we try to make positive of it that we're seeing some silver linings within with the employment, you know, employment did tick up here in Canada. But then we delve deeper into the figures and we realize, wait a minute, you know, this these are really shady figures, these are sh- shady results, you know, and, and then uh, we, and we turn to sources like shadow stats, where we where we talk about the CPI data, how things have changed since the 80s, and why uh, his American business analytics and research company, uh, John Williams's company, does a great job in breaking it down and showing us how things have changed and why things have changed. The headline inflation figure we get is 7.75%. It was down. Um, uh, however, if we use his shadow stats alternate CPI, we actually have inflation at 16.4%. Um, up a lot higher. It's actually, that would be the 75-year high. Further to that, we noticed that the the GDP growth as well that we saw a couple weeks ago uh, primarily was due to the Biden administration selling the strategic petroleum reserves that added to uh, the GDP in the United States. So we have to go deeper. Look at the retail sales that, that came out just this week. Uh, very positive, came out really good. Well, we go into those figures and we realize, hey, wait a minute, it's because the prices went up on everything, uh, specifically gasoline, uh, that 29% of the results in the retail sales 
was because of the gasoline that went up in price. I, well, that's a that's a great connection there, Sway, because you're talking about John Williams over at Shadow Stats, and you can go to shadowstats.com, and he's using formulas the way they used to use the formulas, I guess, in the 80s before they really started using um, accounting engineering, let's call it, at, where they could make everything always look good in their favor. But he's using the data the way it used to be um, uh, collected so that you could get actual numbers on things and you know this is one of those occasions where they're saying retail sales are up but retail sales are up because prices have gone up due to inflation whether it's high gasoline prices or whatever you want to call it and so they're saying that the sort of the um the retailers, the retail, not not the net profit, but the overall profit is here. Mm -hmm. But we didn't sell as many widgets. No. So the price of your ten of your your tennis sneakers or whatever have gone up, and so it looks like the sales are higher. Mm -hmm. But they didn't sell as many units. Exactly. And they're not making as much on the margins, even at higher prices. They're mm -hmm. raising the prices because they've got to pay more for everything. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just wrong accounting completely wrong and that's something that what john williams over at shadow stats cuts through to give you what the real numbers are and i think that most people listening to this show would probably agree that inflation doesn't feel like eight percent it probably feels more like 16 percent and you can see it everywhere from your heating bills you know uber eats <laughs> you know it's true <laughs> uh i'm sure that they're cutting down on that i don't know if that's a stock i'd want to hold right now not that i'm giving investment advice at all mm -hmm. we well, don't do that here on the show not at all no no but we, what we do what we do try to do is point to the trends and and highlight the obvious and when it comes to john williams and his website shadowstats.com you know he wrote he wrote his missive i think it was in 2018 that in the, over the past 30 years, there's been a gap growing between the obvious government reporting inflation as measured by the government's CPI and the perception of actual inflation. He writes the real world experience and public perceptions, what we see, actually see and what we experience versus academic theories and political gimmicks. And that's just it. You know, we're being told one thing when in fact we're experiencing something totally different. It's really it's wrong reporting, as you mentioned, but ultimately, if you, as you delve into this, it's really wrong morally because they, they use the CPI to adjust retirement benefits, private income, to set investment goals, and impair, uh, in, which impairs the ability of retirees, income earners like us, and investors to stay ahead of inflation. So how are we supposed to do when they're skewing the very gauge that is necessary for us to make plans, make adjustments, um, make changes for the better. I mean, we're, we're left in the blind, and this is why we here at Guildhall argue that it is time to take the wheel of your wealth for yourself and do something about it. And the best way to do it is physical gold and silver. Take it home, put in your RSP, safeguard your wealth. The number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com, you know, there, there's, I guess, two approaches to dealing with inflation, and now it's just out there. We all see it. Now it's just a question of, okay, do you believe it's at 7% or do you believe John Williams at Shadow Stats that it's more like 
And the question is, is okay, do you do what, what the government does and say, okay, well, beef has gotten too expensive, so we're gonna we're gonna go to ground beef. Well, that's gotten too expensive, so we're just gonna uh, we're just gonna use pork. You know, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, is that what you're doing in your life? Right. Right. Is if expenses are getting too much, are you forcing yourself to say, okay, um, I can't drive to work anymore, so I have to take the bus because it's cheaper. Well, I can't take the bus anymore, so I'm gonna ride my bike. Um, I'm, I can't ride my bike anymore <laughs> for whatever. The wheel fell off. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it broke and I can't fix it. Mm-hmm. So now I got to walk two hours to work. You get, you get the gist. Mm-hmm. The point here is that this is about maintaining your lifestyle and you're either going to, you're either going to be subservient to this inflation that's happening or you're going to f- figure out a way to, to harden yourself against it and to shield yourself against it. And, Gold and silver have always done that. Now, the next question would be, well, how come it's not doing it right now? And I think that that's um, something to discuss, that it's not necessarily a, well, inflation went up 15% this year, so gold should be up 15% this year, when it's really the long-term portfolio that gold maintains purchasing power versus a moment in time. And it will catch up. Yeah, Mark our words. Gold is going to catch up, and this is the opportunity to be buying it at the lower price. So I was reading an article this uh, today from Greg Hemkin. He was talking about you know prices this year for silver and gold. We anticipated that uh, there would come a point where the Fed cannot continue to raise interest rates uh, at the pace that they wish to they, to get the inflation down from eight seven percent down to their goal of two percent. And do, to do that, they need to raise interest rates. But as we know, they're starting to lose money now because the, the, the cost to service the interest is just too much to bear. So they're slowing down. And while we may have not seen the pivot or the pause in 2022, it's very likely we'll see that happen in 2023. Um, it's still very volatile in this market, in almost every market. But precious metals actually is really holding, holding their own, very resilient gold, still above 1700 um, 1750 mark would be the su- support is around 1730 and silver around 20 north of 2050 is good. Uh, very supported, especially knowing that 2023 is the three and a half year average. Precious metals over the course of the past few decades since the 70s, we've seen an average price spike in both metals every three and a half years. The last peak was 2020. So 2023, we anticipate to be a stellar year in precious metals. And, you know, to take that to a high level, I think you're looking at how long does do central banks continue to, to maintain trust in their narratives and in their control? Or will they get to a place where they break something and all of a sudden, okay, we go from volatility to something broke. Now there's a massive th- change like we saw in 2008, something like that. Um, Let's continue this as yeah. well as get into this FTX stuff and and its potential effects on the market and the consequences of it. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. It's the Real Money Show on AM six forty. 
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. Just before break, Jerry, we were basically talking about the Fed and other central banks trying to control this narrative as they raise interest rates to try to stave off this inflation, which, make no mistake, was of their design. I saw this um, uh, sandwich board or A board on the weekend for a condo downtown, and someone had flipped it inside out and said, we need more affordable housing. And I thought, yeah, okay. I, I see the angst behind this, this, um, uh, this comment to the government. But then I instantly thought, do you really want the government to help you solve a problem that they created? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what we're actually looking for. I think the better question is, is why is housing so unaffordable all of a sudden that you're now begging the government for more help? I mean, this is exactly the problem that you want the government to help you, right? Right. This is the type of thing that gets you into this problem in the first place is believing that the government is there to help you because... They're not the ones who are going to produce anything. You have to go out and produce it. You have to go out and create that value. Nonetheless, let's talk about the Federal Reserve and its narrative. So I think the question here is, will they be able to maintain it? Or does something break? And I, you know, as we're mid-November now, we're starting to think about 2023 and start making, um, you know, uh, just looking into the future and saying what could happen in 2023. But to your point, just as we were heading into break here, Jerry, interest payments on the $31 trillion U.S. debt now exceeds what they spend on the Defense Department. The military. That's right. This is, these are the things you have to take note of, that all of a sudden, when you're raising interest rates on yourself, the Fed is raising interest rates on themselves. They're the ones who create the money. Prince. And, and they're, they're paying interest out on banks that lend it back to them because they're not lending it to you. No. So That's right. the, these payments become uh, become to their detriment. So yeah, they're going to keep going until they break something. And then what? They pause and then they print more money? I mean, I think, I think Rafi Farber, mm -hmm. who does a lot of videos, um, he's a Mises Institute uh, guy, you know, he talks about it being the end game. Now you said another big clue on all of this is the yield curve. That's right. Just the other day, we uh, we tweeted that the U.S. Treasury two-year note and the 10-year inverted out to 61 points. That was a day ago, which was a 10-year high at that time. And then fast forward to today, and it, it broke that record almost right away. The 2 and 10 inverted out to 67 points, a new high. And basically, an inverted yield curve is when the yields on short-term bonds go higher than the the yields on long-term bonds, when usually when that happens, when U.S. Treasury bonds invert, it usually indicates a recession is coming. If not, we are already in a recession. A further recession or depression is on its way. And speaking of treasuries, Japan is selling a bunch of U.S. Treasuries too. So you're seeing another this other dollar deal. Uh, De-dollarization. Thank you very much. Yeah. Happening throughout the world. And more and more countries want to join the BRICS too. We, that came out this week saying more countries want to join the BRICS. So there's definitely de-dollarization happening at a time where they're trying to, trying to, I guess, 
engineer demand for the U.S. dollar by raising interest rates, I don't think it's going to work. Do you think it's going to work? Um, no, it's not going to work at all. There's really only one solution: is is to get out of the the dollar. The dollar when. The U.S. dollar is not being used to price oil. That's it. That's the nail in the coffin for the U.S. dollar, and this is what's happening globally. Okay. So speaking <clears throat> of oil, uh, during the break, you were mentioning that they want to do something to help the strategic oil reserves flow quicker out of out of reserve. <laughs> uh, uh, this is crazy, but that's something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So as we we talked a few times on the show that. Okay, inflation started to trickle downwards. This was because the U.S. embarked on a journey of selling its strategic oil reserves uh, to the lowest that we have ever seen since March of 1984. These are strategic reserves for a reason. It's a national security um, policy to ensure that they have enough reserves. But in order to lower prices just in time for midterms, likely for political reasons, we're selling the strategic oil down to the lows. But it's not going fast enough, or more. If it's not going as efficiently as it should be, because these these reserves are held in these you know these huge uh, bins that are really old and outdated. So Biden's administration today asked Congress for 500 million to modernize the oil reserves. Part of the money will go towards uh, making it more efficient for for the sale of for furthering the sale of these reserves these strategic oil reserves. But then if you go into uh, go down a little bit further in this article, the request also includes 126.3 million for the Department of Energy to guard against potential potential nuclear and radiological incidents in the Ukraine. So this is more money being funneled back and forth between the Ukraine and, and Biden and FTX. We're just seeing how interconnected everything is, Jeremy. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, you stole my segue. One of the first things that came out with this FTX thing, which can you explain a little bit? Is FTX was an exchange or was it also a token? FTX was a crypto exchange. Okay. So with FTX, one of the first things that came out was that there was billions of dollars being passed through Congress to send to Ukraine. And then Ukraine was investing in FTX. And then it turned out that FTX gave $100 million to the Democrats for and, and also to the Republican. establishment Republicans Rhinos. Um, for campaigns during the midterms. Uh, someone put out, you know, did the big guy get 10%. But, um, but that was, this was a big wake up that this is how, this was what's happening with U.S. tax dollars. They're basically being sent to Ukraine, coming back through FTX, and then being given to parties, political parties. Now, that's not the only thing that FTX was doing. They were investing in all different kinds of companies, analytical companies that would make cryptos look like they were on fire. Mm-hmm. They were investing in, in all sorts of exchanges. They were doing all sorts of things like... Um, creating their own token, selling it, leveraging it, and then leveraging and ultimately leveraging their own buyers. So they mm-hmm. ended up with what took it down was essentially like a bank run where people said, I want my actual crypto out. And at the end of the day, it wasn't there. The biggest question, did I get it right? Am I kind of, is there anything you want to add at this point? 
No, that's that's good. That's a good summary. Okay. Why are we bringing it up? Because ultimately, you know, look, it's crypto. It's got nothing really to do with with physical gold. Um, and no, crypto is not gold 2.0. <laughs> Anyone who tells you gold crypto is gold 2.0 is is selling you alchemy. Hey, I can invent gold. It, no, it doesn't work that way. Gold is gold. And then there's currencies like cryptocurrencies. The reason I want to bring it up, um, although we do have to talk about Tom Brady, is Gary Gensler. Mm -hmm. He is the head of the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission. Well, which, which way was his head turned when all of this was going on? Is, does he get to just claim that he just didn't know about any of this? Because you mentioned to me, Jerry, that with FTX, you could invest in the SLV. That's a wild one. Yeah, the SLV, which is the ETF for silver, which is unbacked. We know that it's unbacked, that they've changed its prospectus thousands of times. Um, well, that's but yeah, not a thousand times. Well, I'm going to elaborate, you know. but uh, I'm being sarcastic. But we know, you know what I mean. One is enough. If you change it, you don't have the silver to back up your your hundreds of, of contracts out there. But to allow SLV, which is S S SEC regulated, which is a regulated um, ETF, under the nose of Gensler, um, I mean, really, you have to do your due diligence. You, you can't rely on these these regulators to regulate themselves well, or this to regulate is... the firms. They're really trying to regulate us. Look, I'm all for regulators. What we're pointing out here is a particular regulator with the name of Gary Gensler because he was a regular uh, regulator um, for the silver market as well when when he was the head of that commission uh, for the commodities exchange. And he was totally overseeing or rather looking the other way on the manipulation of the precious metals market and the spoofing and they even exactly and now they've gotten caught with that but um you know that's where bar chilton came in and he said well you're making it too high of a threshold to be able to charge these people because you're making it impossible for us to do our job when we find corruption so that was one thing that um that bar chilton did a lot to try to get that threshold down in order to to, to fight these guys but Gary Gensler was a guy who just looked the other way, and somehow he ended up moving from one security to another security and is doing the exact same thing. So we say shame on you, Gary Gensler. You knew better, and you looked the other way. I want to find out who you are really working for, and uh, this guy needs to be looked at. Now, on the other FTX things, man, when you go down and find out who this um, uh, Sam Sam bankman fried is it fried or freeze he's fried he's fried <laughs> i think it's like that's like a made-up name it's like fried bankman like that's what that's what he was he mm -hmm. became a fried bankman mm -hmm. um but when we find out who his parents are who his girlfriend's parents are it starts to look pretty conspiratorial uh, you just have to do a YouTube search mm -hmm. and wikipedia these people and find out who they are i yeah. mean it's it's pretty clear this guy was not the brains he Absolutely just, not. someone put him in there and said, you're going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Now, my big question is, how did he get away with doing all these other things, which ultimately bankrupted it all and made it implode? That's the big question. How would anyone let him go and buy these homes and do all of these other um, 
completely fraudulent things and mm-hmm. say, whoa, 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 buddy. <laughs> like, we got a good scam yeah. going here. Let's keep it going. But instead, they let him blow it up. So yeah. it's kind of like, is it too stupid to be stupid? I'm not no. too sure. But going back to the regulators, you know, the only thing that got uh, Bernie Madoff found out was that the economy collapsed. Is that similar to what's going on here, you think? Mm-hmm. That people uh, just said, I need my money back? Well, yeah. We, we see the decline of, of crypto over the, over the course of the year. Um, we have you know, Bitcoin down 60% since its peak in 2021. So well, obviously, people are very concerned about the crypto market. A lot of hodlers still in the market, but people still want to get out. And the old adage that says, I'm more concerned about the return of my money than on my money. Just people want to take their money out. And that's exactly what happened with Madoff. That's what happens with every Ponzi scheme. That will ha- that's exactly what happens with every bank run that we have seen in Cyprus and Greece when citizens just want to get their money out of the bank. They say, nope, we're going to regulate you. You're not allowed to take your capital away. Um, so the sentiment was down. And I think once, once it doesn't take just price, you know, price is one thing. But if you lose the trust of that asset that you're in, like, our investors can hold gold and silver knowing that despite any volatility at the end of the day, unlike a, a FTX or a crypto, you end up with nothing in your hands. But at the end of the day, you have your silver in your hand, you have your gold in your hand, and it's yours. And no one can take that from you. Yeah, you're, you have to remember, if you can't hold it, you don't own it. And to that, we're starting to see the, the ETFs drain the SLV is draining. People are, are saying, I don't want to own this paper anymore. And we knew that six, seven years ago, Jerry, when we did this, uh, in, when we did this vehicle through Questrade to own physical precious metals and have it in a vault outside the banking system. And we said to Questrade, we said, people want this. Yes. They are going to want physical metal. They don't want paper. They're willing to pay a little more to have the actual thing. So remember, if you can't hold it, you don't own it. Give us a call. One eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. It's The Real Money Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. We're talking about gold and silver, and we're also talking about making sure that you have assets that have no counterparty risk and ensuring that you have your products outside the system. You know, this FTX thing is a huge wake-up call for people. You know, Hopefully. We, we talked about the idea that what made it so easy for them to, to just take off with people's money. It's because if you didn't have your crypto in a wallet, and you didn't have the crypto off the exchanges into a Trezor, you were open to theft. And how many times have we seen, and we've, I mean, countless times, we've walked into each other's offices saying, this exchange just got robbed $80 million. This exchange just got robbed $100 million. This exchange, another $50 million here. I mean, that was a, a constant for several years. And then all of a sudden, it seems to have been been institutionalized. Now, we don't know any information about to what extent Tom Brady really invested, but it made it to Instasingle on on Instagram, (laughs) um, where they said, Tom Brady fans are happy AFRN because this dude's going to play until he's dead to make up for the lost crypto money. 
P.S. FTX dropped another 35%, touching 50% as, as of this AM. I mean, they're saying this guy potentially lost $600 million. Wow. I mean, that's, that can't be. Really? I doubt it. I mean, come on. He's got a, maybe it was leveraged and there's collateral. So maybe, maybe it was 200 against 600. We'll never know. Right? You'll never know. But that's another thing. It's important to not use leverage. Mm -hmm. Don't use leverage. Yeah. You want, if you're going to own something, own it. Hey, if you, you know, you could use a line of credit. Sure. And pay it off. Yep. Right. Um, that's kind of a, a an additional loan. Um, but either the price of the metal is going to go up or you're going to make your payments every month. And every month the, the, um, uh, the principal is going down. That's right. Right. Um, but leverage in the way that they leverage on, on the comex where you're putting up, uh, you know, a $5,000, 5,000 ounces of silver and you got 50,000 ounces right man, you can get in trouble. And if we've no learned anything over the last 10, 15 years in this market is you cannot predict when the market is going to, is going to do things. It's mm -hmm. just, it is unpredictable. It is. Now the question I have for you on that point then Jerry is, do you think we'll see a time where the market will be predictable in precious metals? Because you, from the fundamental standpoint, it's pretty easy to say, this market has value, it's undervalued right now, makes it a great time to get involved. And there will come a time where, you know, price is what you pay today and value is what you get down the road. And many people agree that, hey, you might be able to buy a, a house in Toronto for a couple thousand ounces of silver. Some people think way less. But do you think we'll see a time where the pricing will be more predictable? Because everything's so distorted right now. Mm -hmm. There's a few scenarios that come to mind. Well, one being a gold standard, having having brought back a standard to to back our currency because we we know that gold and silver look are kryptonite to to banks to, to bankers and governments. Gold makes governments operate like a business focused on efficiency and and sound spending. Fiat currencies, which is unbacked, allows the governments to just create debt and to run like a zombie company. Um, if the Fed note was actually redeemable for gold and silver like it once was under the gold standard, the the currency issuance and you know giving countries five hundred you know million dollars and fifty million here, fifty billion here, that will be halted and will be kept in check. So that that is one scenario where we can actually see the elimination, the the drawing down or the refinancing of the debt, bringing everything down and and bringing stability to prices. Um, and we have to also look at the futures market. Going back to the COMEX, we know that the, it was created in December of 1974. And go ahead. 1974. Let's just put that into perspective. Yeah. So the London gold pool breaks apart in 1968. Mm -hmm. The London gold pool was essentially, you know, let's call them allies getting together, standing ready to put physical metal into the market should it should it look like the price of gold wants to rise higher. So they would use physical product to push into the market and create a bunch of supply, keeping the price down. That broke in 1978. By 1971, Nixon lifts the gold standard, essentially saying it's, it's our money, but it's your problem. And uh, you can't redeem our cash for, for gold. Now, I would say it's probably because they wanted to hand full control of the money over to the central banks. That's right. 
And then, lo and behold, by 19, uh, just a few years later, basically three years later, they've got this commodities exchange and a futures market for precious metals. It's not a grain. That's right. <laughs> you know, you're mining it at at one and a half percent to the stockpile every year. It's completely antithetical to the futures market, which is, hey, we grow lettuce in California, and if we have a bad year, we're hedged against that. Get it? Solution. Solution. But that's not the case in the metals market because it's a guaranteed one and a half percent a year. And of course, that's dwindling. That's right. Uh, look, large financial institutions today, they trade the paper representations for gold. Gold contracts that represent each represent 5,000 ounces um, to, in, in order to really keep the price down in precious metals because when you, have, when you increase supply, you keep the prices down. For example, when we look at the futures market trading volume today, a year's worth of mining activity can be traded in just two or three days. The futures market was created as a way to suppress the prices of and dis dissuade people from taking delivery of physical metal because we know the central banks and governments gain power to control human behavior and making laws over that use of fiat. It's harder to do with a commodity or, a, or like money like gold. But what's very interesting, uh, according to Money Metals, they just released a, a, a nice newsletter and they talk about this and they they said that they wrote that the State Department cable was actually obtained by WikiLeaks. And the cable reads this, in reference to the creation of the futures market in 1974, they wrote, each dealer believed that the futures market would be of significant proportion and physical trading would be minuscule by comparison. It was also expressed that the expect expectation that large volume futures dealing would create highly volatile markets in turn diminishing the initial demand and dissuading people from wanting to hoard the metal by U.S. citizens. And remember, the CTF, CFTC, another regulator, says the truth is about gold. Yeah, when, once they start by saying the truth is, yeah, we're going to believe you, right? They wrote the truth is gold and other precious metals are highly volatile. Past performance is not a good predictor of future, of future returns and so on and so forth. But remember, J.P. Morgan said money is gold and everything else is credit central banks look what they're doing they're amassing the gold and and silver like never before the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com it's the real money show on am640 you're listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. It's The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Yes, there was a futures market created for the precious metals market. Yes, they did it to create volatility in the market. So when one of the biggest myths of, oh, gold and, gold's volatile, you don't want to own that. And yet, in Canadian dollars, it's had something like three down years in the last 15 years. I think right now in gold, it's down something like maybe 1%, 2% on the year. Um, that's a lot better than many of the indices out there. And it, the year's not over. It's not going to take a lot for the price of gold to move up a, a couple percent. But even if it didn't, I mean, that's, that's nothing compared to what we've seen happening around and where the market's going to head. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess they create this myth of the volatile metal, and that's been done through paper markets. And that's why, okay, well, how do you deal with volatility? I mean, advisors say, well, just hold on for the long term. Um, ultimately, 
Gold has gone from $250 an ounce back in 2000. Today it's trading around $1,750. I would take that <laughs> any day of the yep. week. Um, you know, you buy your metal and eventually you overcome the cost of doing business. The cost of doing business right now is quite high on physical precious metals, which is an indicator that the supply is very, very tight. So it just goes to show that the futures market creates a distortion that does not jive with reality, but eventually reality takes over. You can avoid, you know, you can avoid reality, but you can't avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening right now. You want to say the debts are fine, that we can, we can live forever with these high debts, Dick Cheney? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. You, you know, you don't have to deal with it. Remember when, remember when Janet Yellen said, we'll never see a, a, the market uh, go down again? Mm -hmm. Well, it went down in 2018, <laughs> right? When she, in December of 2018. And uh, we're going to see it happen again. So sorry, Janet, you were wrong there. And by the way, when you were head of the San Francisco Fed, you couldn't see a subprime coming right. if it was a Mack truck on your lawn and you didn't see it. Mm -hmm. Neither did Bernanke. So, I mean, come on. Who, why are we even giving them any credibility right. whatsoever? But we all, uh, someone's going to give a speech. We got to find out what, what, what Jerome For Powell now. has to say. For now. You got to give up on this. You got to stop saying it. Right. You got to stop giving them any credence. And now, I think people are. They're saying, our phone calls every day are, I need to get out of the banking system. Mm -hmm. I've got money in the bank and I'm not comfortable with it there. I've got money in the market. It's not doing very well. I need to get out of these markets. Um, the, when they, when they uh, blocked people's bank accounts, right. that was a massive wake-up call. You know, now we're finding out that there was really no reason to do it. Right. Right? They have all these panels. They're having these discussions with people from CSIS and, and whatnot. And they're all saying, well, there was no, there was no need. Imminent there was threat. no need. There was no imminent threat. Now it's happening in Brazil. There were some 40 companies that don't have access to their bank accounts. In Brazil. In Brazil mm -hmm. because they're protesting the outcome of, of the election there. We're talking like tens of millions of people in one spot protesting and all of a sudden some bank accounts. Um, I mean, that's a relatively small number, but still, still 20, 30, 40 bank accounts for companies, not individuals, companies mm -hmm. that don't have access to their funds all of a sudden. Right. I mean, these are the type of things you want to avoid. And now I'm sure you saw this, this headline this week about the launch of the pilot for the digital currencies. I saw that right? yeah, for the central time. for the central bank currencies, um, programmable dollars. The New York Fed and twelve banking giants are launching a digital dollar test. You know they they did try this in I, I don't know which African country, but they did try it recently and it completely bombed. I, I don't know what type of appetite there's going to be, especially with the FTX stuff of of people plugging into a digital currency where if they don't agree with your politics, you could have your money expire mm -hmm. or frozen. You, yeah. Or you're not allowed to drive your Tesla more than a kilometer away, or as they are in California, you're not allowed to charge it. Right. Um, in some cases, I don't know if that's still the case. 
But uh, these are the type of things that I think many people would be wary of. And you don't want to try to test that. What was up with the uh, release of this news? I mean, it came out November the 15th that they're going to be introducing this test of going digital shortly after FTX goes down and we're seeing trust and credibility in the entire crypto space. And the day after FTX went down, the regulators were saying, well, it's, it's about time that we look into these companies to ensure that they, they have enough assets to back up their exposure. It all sounds great, but you're not doing anything about it. And this, I think this is just a very curious time as to why they would be introducing something on the back of such horrible news coming out of the crypto space. And I think the problem in kind of a Weffian kind of way, that's a new word, is this idea of, well, we need to regulate it. Well, Sounds good. Who are, who's we, the regulators? Are you the Gary Gensler regulators? The Klaus uh, Schwab's? Yeah. Who is, who is guarding the hen house? Uh, exactly. Because I think that's the other thing. How do we get trust back into these regulating systems? And we're talking specifically about the U.S. here uh, and, and what's going on with their regulators because they're clearly looking the other way, but then they say they want to regulate it. So there's a lot of mixed signals here um, and the trust is going out the window. Well, gold provides trust in an age where you're distrusting everything because there's no counterparty risk. When you own it, that's it. No one can touch it. No one has a claim on it. You can take it home, you can put it in the vault, you can put it in an IROC approved vault, serial numbers, it's outside the banking system. Their only job of these vault facilities is to physically store your metal. That's it. They have no claim on it. They're not leveraging it. They can't touch it. It's yours. This is a way to protect yourself during all of these type of things that we've been mentioning on the show today. So feel free to find out more. Mm-hmm. Call us at one eight seven seven eight silver Go to the website, guildhallwealth.com. Learn how to acquire some physical precious metals for yourself. Learn how to put it into a registered account so that you're, you're converting some of your fiat currency or investments into real money that's outside the banking system. You're storing it physically outside the banking system. And it still amazes me that you can own something physically in your registered account, whether it's a RIF, LIF. RESP, TFSA, and you can transfer from an existing institution over to our custodian, which is Questrade. We'll teach you all about it. Jerry, I think we covered a lot today. Um, I'm looking forward to the future of precious metals. I think it's going to be shiny and bright. Absolutely. We just have to get through a little bit of this volatility and wait till the Fed breaks something. Thank you to all of our listeners, all of our new clients, all of our older clients. We can't wait to speak to you all next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.